But as Christians, we recognize our life started over the day we accepted Jesus Christ. We became a new creation, brand new. I, didn't, I was think, just thinking this morning, how many times in the Bible it says today or now or this second kind of thing. Um, he says today is the accepted time in Hebrews. Today is the day of salvation. He says that uh, we are supposed to, this is the day that the Lord has made. It didn't say yesterday or tomorrow. We, we, don't, we can't do anything about yesterday. We can't do anything about tomorrow. But this is the day the Lord has made, and we're going to rejoice in it. So it's a great opportunity to not just recognize a brand new year, but a brand new day. Today is the day that Jesus has given us to live for him. Every time we open our eyes, it's a brand new start, a brand new chance to do what he wants us to do, to enjoy the day with him and fellowship with him. Steve's going to be talking about the word today and the importance as we read it. Every day, God has something new for us in his word as well if we'll spend time there. He desires to let us know how much he loves us and what he desires of us. So that's what his word is for and all about. Would you stand as we start our service this morning? I've been yakking and not letting you stand, and we're going to um, start with prayer, and then we got some great songs this morning about the Word of God. Father, we do recognize uh, that as human beings we have calendars, and we look at new days, new weeks, new months, new years, and... It's natural for us to think, okay, it's a brand new start. But again, you are the God of right now. You are the God of this is the day you've made, and you, we want, you want us to rejoice in it. And today is the day that you desire to spend with us. And we're not promised tomorrow, but we have today. And every, and as Steve likes to talk about the number of hours we have in our lives so far and the number of minutes in a day. Uh, help us, uh, as Moses said in Psalm 90, teach us to number our days that we can apply our hearts to wisdom. Help us to look at our lives and realize how precious they are and that it is a limited commodity and that we need to use them for you. So as we Worship today together, we'd recognize it's a day you've called us all to be here. It's a day you've given us to spend time together worshiping you. It's a day to realize how much you love us, how much you've given us in Christ Jesus. Help us as we sing this morning that we would be singing your praises, your, the joy that we have in our hearts because of Jesus Christ. And as we sing about your word and how amazing it is that you would speak through men throughout history to let us know who you are, how we can come to know you, and what you desire of us. We praise you for your word, for your son, and for this day in Christ's name. Amen. So the Bible is full of promises, and uh, God has told us that if he says it, you can believe it. That settles it. It's done. So you, you can find a promise in the Bible and claim that and know that Jesus Christ is going to fulfill that in your life. 
He desires for us to be standing on the promises of God. Standing on the promises of Christ my King Through eternal ages let His praises ring Glory in the highest I will shout and sing Standing on the promises of God Standing, I'm standing Standing on the promises of God my Savior Standing, I'm standing I'm standing on the promises of God, standing on the promises that cannot fail. When the howling storms of doubt and fear assail, by the living word of God I shall prevail. Standing on the promises of God, standing, I'm standing, I'm standing on the promises of God, my Savior. Standing, I'm standing, I'm standing on the promises of God, standing on the promises of Christ our Lord, bound to Him eternally by love's strong cord, overcoming daily with the Spirit's sword, standing on the promises of God. Standing, I'm standing, I'm standing on the promises of God, my Savior. Standing, I'm standing, I'm standing on the promises of God. Standing on the promises I cannot fall. Listening every moment to the Spirit's call. Resting as my Savior, as my all in all. Standing on the promises of God Standing, I'm standing I'm standing on the promises of God, my couple of hymns in the scriptures that talk about the wonderful words of salvation and how we like to hear them over and over again and that's true it's like the gospel it's it's not that we've heard it a thousand times but I don't mind hearing again I don't mind hearing how much Jesus loves me and what he did for me wonderful words of life Wonderful words of life Let me more of their beauty sing Wonderful words of life Words of life and beauty Teach me faith and duty Beautiful words, wonderful words Wonderful words of life Beautiful words, wonderful words Wonderful words of life 
grace the blessed one gives to all wonderful words of life. Sinner, list to the loving call, wonderful words of life. All so freely given, wooing us to heaven. Beautiful words, wonderful words, wonderful words of life. Beautiful words, wonderful words, wonderful words of life. Sweetly echo the gospel call, wonderful words of life. Offer pardon and peace to all, wonderful words of life. Jesus, the only Savior, sanctifies forever. Beautiful words, wonderful words, wonderful words of life. Beautiful words, wonderful words, wonderful words of life. Thank you. You may be seated. Scripture songs are an amazing way to learn God's Word, and music helps us remember it, I guess, better than maybe just trying by rote to do things. This is a great song. Um, the concept that God's Word would be a light for us to show us the way we're supposed to be going. Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet. Unto my feet and a light unto my 
Another great song reminding us about we seek to follow God day by day and that he cares for us and leads us day by day. moment strength I find to meet my trials here trusting in my father's wise bestowment I have no cause for worry or for fear he whose heart is kind beyond all measure gives unto each day what he deems best. Lovingly, it's part of pain and pleasure, mingling toil with peace and rest. Every day the Lord himself is near me, with a special mercy for each hour. All my cares he fain would bear and cheer me. He whose name is Counselor and Power. The protection of his child and treasure is a charge that on himself he laid. As thy days, thy strength shall be in measure. This the pledge to me he made. Help me then in every tribulation so to trust Thy promises, O Lord, that I lose not face with consolation, offered me within Thy holy word. Help me, Lord, when toil and trouble meeting, ere to take as from a father's one by one, the days, the moments fleeting, till I reach the promised land. One more before our scripture reading and uh, Steve's message. Be thou my vision. Um, as Christians, serving him should be ever before our thoughts and minds, and his desires for us should be the vision for our own lives, seeking to find out who and what he desires us to be. Waking or sleeping, thy presence is my light. Vision, O Lord of my 
morning is found in the book of Psalms. Chapter 19. It's a great um, psalm about the Word of God and its importance to us. We're going to start at verse 7 and read to the end of the psalm. So Psalm 19, 7 to the end. If you brought a Bible with you, join with me. If not, there's one in front of the pew or you may simply just listen to the Word of God. Psalm 19, starting at verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, 
giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the comb. By them is your servant warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgressions. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Again, Father, to think that you would not just care about this world, but send your Son to save it and not leave us in the dark about who you are and the way you feel about us and the things that your Son has done and you have done for us. But you have moved with your Holy Spirit in men to write. And throughout history, you have kept this book perfect and entire and we're reading the same thing today that hundreds of hundreds of years ago these people read. Your word is still alive and as powerful as ever. I don't think we could have a better prayer for ourselves than the very last words of what we read today. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Help us that your word might be so alive in our hearts and our minds that it would be foremost in our thoughts and it would help us to be righteous and holy and knowing your will and knowing you. I ask that you would use your word this morning alive and powerful to our hearts. In Christ's name, amen. Good morning. Glad you could be with us here at Hope Bible Church on this January 1st, 2023. I was out in the roads today and there's not much traffic, so it's good to see you because I know a lot of people are sleeping in. But anyway, it's so good to be together as believers. Today's the first day of the week, first day of the month, the first day of this new year. And today I want to talk about what's extremely important. I mean, extremely important for each one of our lives, and that's God's Word. And God's Word is the key to each one of us here having a blessed, successful, and prosperous life. Turn your Bibles first to Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. I thought about this about a month ago. I said, you know, what's the most important message they need to hear? And I thought, this is it. God's Word. And um, Psalm 1 how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight 
is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He'll be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in its season. And his leaf does not wither, and whatever he does, he prospers. So the person who delights in God's word, that means you love God's word, and then meditates on God's word, that means you think about God's word, that person will be blessed. He will be successful. He will be prosperous. We'll look at it, but in Joshua chapter 1, 8, it's a verse that says the person who meditates on God's word and obeys God's word, that one will be prosperous. That one will be successful. Psalm 119, 1 and 2. Blessed is the man whose way is blameless, who walks in the law of the Lord. How blessed are those who observe his testimonies. We're blessed as we are then ones who follow God's word. So God's word is foundational. It's essential for each Christian. A Christian can only, only, uh, a Christian must live according to God's word to be blessed, to be successful in a way that God wants him. I think of athletics, which is a big thing in our country. I like 2 Timothy 2, 5. It says, athlete, an athlete does, does, does not um, win the prize unless he competes according to the rules. And that's so true. We all know that, whether it's, it's football or basketball or soccer you have to compete by the rules and what are the rules that god gives us it's it's in his book it's it's the bible that's what it is we have to play by the word of god if i can say it the way we have to compete according to the rules now of course jesus made it clear too that god's word is foundational to our life we know the verse in matthew 4 4 man shall not live on bread alone but in every word that proceeds from the mouth of god and so what jesus was saying there is that we need physical food to live, but the main point of that verse is to spiritually live. We need spiritual food. We need to feed on the spiritual food that God gives us. John 8, 32, Jesus said, you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. And the truth that Jesus was talking about was his word, was spiritual truth. Spiritual truth. We're not talking about physical truths here. John 17, 17, Jesus said, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. So God's word is the truth. And the truth is the means then by which we can be holy, by which we can be sanctified, and the means too then by which we can be blessed and successful. Turn to Isaiah chapter 59. Appropriate verse for these days, this time of our history, this country. Psalm 59 and verse 9 to 15. Therefore, justice is far from us. Righteousness does not overtake us. We hope for light, but behold darkness. For brightness, but we walk in gloom. We grope along the wall like blind men. We grope like those who have no eyes. We stumble at midday as in this twilight among those who are vigorous. We are like dead men. All of us growl like bears and moan sadly like doves. We hope for justice, but there is none. For salvation, but it's far from us. For our transgressions are multiplied before you, and our sins testify against us. For our transgressions are with us, and we know our iniquities. Transgression, transgressing and denying the Lord and turning away from our God, speaking oppression and revolt, conceiving in and uttering from the heart lying words, justice is turned back. Righteousness stands far away, for truth has stumbled in the streets. And our brightness cannot enter. Yes, truth is lacking in our country. There's no doubt about it. As NIV says, says, truth is nowhere to be found. 
Now we know it's found in a few places, but that's the general truth or idea of what's going on in our country. There's no, the truth isn't there. Truth is lacking. And of course, Paul understood the importance of God's word. Two main writers, the New Testament, Jesus and Paul. Paul understood the importance of God's word for his own life and for the church. In Colossians 1.25, he said, I was made a minister according to the stewardship from God bestowed on me for your benefit that I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God. Might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God. Paul then was preaching God's word. He knew that was his main job. That was his primary job, and that's what he told the Ephesians elder, Ephesian elders. Turn to Acts chapter 20, verse 32. Excuse me, Acts chapter 20, verse 18. Acts 18, verses 18 to 20. Paul says, Paul, having remained many days longer, took leave of his brethren and put out to sea for Syria. 20. And when they had come to him, he said to him, you yourselves know from the first day that I set foot in Asia how I was with you the whole time, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials which came upon me through the plots of the Jews, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you publicly and from house to house. You can see then Paul's heart for the word and how he was convinced the need to preach it, whether it's publicly or from house to house. Acts chapter 20, verse 27 says, I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God or the whole word of God. There, Paul says he was teaching the whole purpose of God to the people. He didn't leave anything out. He knew the importance of the, all of the word of God. Every, every word. Turn to verse 32, same chapter. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. So again, we see the primacy of God's word. Paul was stating this again. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 4, probably one of the clearest verses in the New Testament on the importance of preaching the word of God. 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul is writing to Timothy, his number one disciple, Tell him this is your number one duty. Second Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth, will turn aside to myths. There's no doubt that's happened in our country. It's obvious. We've seen it tremendously so the last 20, 30, 40 years, that turning away from the truth. So we've been talking then about God's word and saying that in a general way, it is God's truth. So understand what I'm saying here. I'm calling this word truth, calling it truth with a big T. But there are different categories of God's truth. And today I want to look at two, three categories. The first is truth with a small t. And then secondly, commands. And thirdly, promises. We have this big category, the truth of God, the word of God. We're talking about three subcategories today. Truth 
commands and promises. First, it's where truth is small t. It's referring to Bible truths, Bible doctrines, Bible, Bible principles that you need to believe. You need to believe them. For example, there's the truth of God, the truth about God that he's love, that he's holy. There's the truth that Jesus is God. There's the truth that men are sinners. There's the truth that, that Jesus died for our sins. There's a truth that Jesus Christ is coming back. All six of these, I just mentioned six very briefly. You to, to believe that God is loving, that God is holy, that Jesus is God, that, that uh, Jesus died for our sins, that we're sinners, and that Christ is coming back. We're to believe them. That, that's what it says. It's not a matter of obeying them. Nothing to obey. But you're to believe them. You're to believe that they're God's word, and you're to believe that they're true, and believing them makes them true in your own life. That's what it does. It makes them real. And, and you could say that the distinction between people in this room or distinction between people in the world is how much they believe the, God, the Word of God. It's huge. Huge. Do you believe what God says or not? That's, that's a huge distinction. Do you believe what God says? Or, well, I'm not sure. You don't think about it. imperative that we believe what God says. When you believe Him, then you'll be changed. Believing God's Word transforms your life. It has a wonderful, powerful, positive effect on your life. Turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. 1 Thess 2, thir- verse 13. A great verse on this subject. First Thessalonians 2, 13. For this reason, we also constantly thank God that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but for that what it really is the word of God which also performs its work in you who believe. God's word does not perform its work in those who don't believe it. It's so clear. You must see this. When you believe, God loves you, for example. When you believe it. Not in your head, but in your head and your heart. You have to understand it. Mentally, God gives us a mind. He gives us a brain. He gives us a heart, a soul, a spirit. When you believe it in your head and your heart, then you're transformed then you know God loves you. Again, the distinction between people. Some people, I believe God loves me a little bit. Others, they really believe it. It transforms them. How you believe God's word is what affects your life probably as much about as anything. Believing the truth of God's word. There's many verses on this. I I don't know how many in the Bible talk about God's love for you. Psalm 23, surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. Psalm 90, satisfy me in the morning with your loving kindness. Psalm 136, his loving kindness is everlasting, that great verse in 1 John 4, 16. I've come to know my mind and believe in my heart the love that God has for me. It's so, it's so basic. I'm just talking about one truth, one truth, and there are hundreds. I'm just going to mention a few today. I just mentioned a few before. All these truths, when you read the Bible and you hear a message, do you believe it? Do you believe it or not? And, and it's a struggle. It's not just, it's not something, God's got to help you to believe. God's got to give you that faith. You've got to say, Lord, help me to believe what's true here because I, my flesh really doesn't want to. My flesh really can't. Then there's the gospel. John three sixteen. you know, the first God so loved the world that he gave his son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. So do you believe the truth of the gospel of John 5, 24? He who hears my words and believes him who sent me has eternal life. Do you believe those truths? The result of believing the gospel is that you're saved. That's what it says. Clear. 
That's a result that you're saved, that you're righteous, that you're forgiven, that you have eternal life, that you're not going to hell, but you're going to heaven. So clear. And if you don't believe the truth of the gospel that's found in his word, you don't have eternal life. You're not saved. You're not going to heaven. You're going to hell. That's it. It is so black and white. What do you believe? What do you believe? I think of gravity. Gravity is a physical truth. If you don't believe in gravity and go up in a tall building and jump off, what's going to happen? You're going to really get hurt. You'll probably die. There are consequences of not believing physical truths. But much more important, there are consequences of people not believing spiritual truths. We live in this culture. Ah, oh, you can believe whatever you want. You know, it's up to you. You got your own eyes. No. You can't believe whatever you want. Well, of course you can on one hand, but I'm saying if you do, man, you, there's consequences. Hugely so with respect to God and what he says. Hugely so. Eternal life. Eternal death, just as we saw in John 3, 16, John 5, 24. People go to school. Learn truths, areas of science, history, literature, grammar, mathematics, etc. But the truths that we are talking about are extremely important, much more important and significant than the truths that we might learn in school. I'm stressing the importance then of believing God's word and trusting what God says, not what you think, not what man says, not what the world says, and not what the devil says. First Timothy 4 talks about deceitful spirits and the doctrines of demons. You have to understand that there's all kinds of doctrines of demons in this world. And we don't think about this much. There's all kinds. Just the simple one we understand. We, I think you know the doctrine of the, well, the era of evolution. That's a doctrine of demons, of the devil. There's 24,000 high schools, public high schools in this country. There's two, 2 million high school students, approximately. Recent statistics. Every one of those high schools teach that doctrine of demons that evolution is true. Every one. Every one. Not just one. How about the truth about Jesus being God? That's the truth, right? Doctrines of demons, no. Muslims, Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, many religions teach that Jesus is just a good man, just a prophet, but he's not God in the flesh. It's a lie. It's a doctrine of a demon. Or, or, the, or the error that... that Man can be saved by his good works. Catholics believe that. That's how I was raised. And most mainline churches in this country, Lutherans, Methodists, Episcopalians, the mainline ones I'm talking about, believe that it's by good works. It's a lie. It's a doctrine of the devil. That's why this truth is so important, critically important, not just optional. It is not. Turn to Ephesians 4. Verses 4 to 6. I'm going to go through this. I, I, think, I believe I've shared this before, but this <laughs> sums up basic truths better than any place in the whole Bible. There's one body. That's a church. There's one spirit. That's a Holy Spirit. You're called in one hope of your calling, that's talking about the future that God has for you. There's one Lord, that's Jesus Christ. There's one faith, that's referring to the truth of God's word. There's one baptism, that means salvation. There's one God and Father of all. We have a, we have a statement of faith. Most churches have a statement of faith. Seven of those eight statements that we have are right there. Seven. The eighth one is God's word, which is understood. So, so those are basic truths 
And to be a strong Christian, I say to be a strong Christian, you need to believe all these truths. What does God say about himself? What does God say about Christ, about the Holy Spirit? And, and when you have doctrines of demons, you know what he does? You'll see this. He attacks every one of those I just read. He attacks the Holy Spirit. He'll attack salvation. He'll attack hope. All this. He attacks. He attacks. He attacks. All kinds. We need to believe them. And not just believe them generally so, like we can say you need to believe in God, but the, the tenets, the, the other sub-truths. God is holy. God is powerful. God is wise. God is sovereign. I just purchased a book about a month ago. Um, Steve Phelps bought it, and he told me about it. It's, it's called Providence by John Piper. It's a thick, it's like 700 pages long. It's all about how God is sovereign. One book. So I'm talking about, hey, you need to believe God. You need to believe that God is sovereign. That's a huge truth. It's all over the Bible. And it's important for every one of you here to understand that God is sovereign if you're going to really be a strong Christian. And so I'm just, the gospel. Well, I believe the gospel. To be a strong Christian, you need to understand, okay, what does it mean to really be a sinner? What does it mean that I'm reconciled or I'm redeemed or I'm forgiven or I'm righteous? There's all these different aspects of the gospel that are found in the epistles, particularly so. There's a lot there. So we talk about believing truths, we believe basic truths, and then getting down into the depth. And that's what God wants for Christians. So we've briefly gone over truths that you need to believe this year, today, tomorrow, the rest of your life. Now I want to talk about commands. God's commands tell us what to do. And when we obey God's commands, we're doing what God wants us to do. We're living in the way that God wants us to live. That's very, very simple. God command, God's commands, listen carefully, mark out the spiritual road that we're to walk on, to travel on. They mark out the road. They make the road. By obeying his commands, then you're on the road that God wants you to be on. You're traveling in the way that he wants you to travel. And the word that you find in Psalm, particularly 119, is the word way. The word way. And if you don't walk on this road, then spiritually speaking, you'll be out in the woods. Wild animals, deadly snakes, they'd be dangerous. They'd be very difficult. They'd be deadly. If you're not walking, and all of us here at times in our lives, because none of us are perfect, have gotten off the road, maybe for a good bit of time, it's difficult to get off the road that God wants you to be on. Turn to Psalm 119, and in about three weeks, the plan is, I, I started this message, oh, it's going to be one message, I, there's no way I could do one message, so I'm going to do the second message three weeks from today. The plan is on January 20, 22nd. But look at Psalm 119, verse 1. I'll talk more about this then. How blessed are those whose way is blameless. That way is the road you're on. That's where you're traveling. That's your path. That's your journey. And then it says, who walk in the law of the Lord. You have to see the connection between walking in the law of the Lord and being on the way that God wants you to be on. Look down at verse, verse 3. They also do no unrighteousness. They walk in his ways. You walk in, in your ways or in his ways. His ways are defined and determined by the commands that you obey that God gives you. Verse 5. Oh, that my ways may be established to keep your statutes. Interesting. Look, look at verse 12. Blessed are you, Lord. Teach me your statutes. Okay? Teach me your word. But then go to verse 33. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes. Isn't that interesting? So, Lord, help me to understand 
what your word says and what I'm to do, and then help me to see the results and what that means for me that I'm walking on this road that you have for me. It's marked out by the commands that God gives us, the truth that he gives us, the words that he gives us. That's what's going on. So you understand then, the word of God, obey God's word, puts you on the road of life that God wants you to be on, and that's called the way in other verses as well. We'll talk about that more. So here are a few God's commands. You love God, love one another, you be humble, you be holy, you're to trust the Lord, you're to pray, you're to make disciples, you're to use your spiritual gift, you're to encourage others, you're to respect those in authority. Just a few. Each one of those God wants you to obey. Each one. That kind of burden you, that's just the way it is. It's, it's all there in the Bible. This is what God has for us. And, and the simplest way to think about it is this. Y'all understand little babies. They're about one or so, but thereabouts. That's when they learn to walk, you know, give or take a few months. They take one step. And, and, and parents, you know, you've probably seen this or heard about this. You know, the parents are all excited. Man, my child is taking that first step. Well, it, so with a Christian, a young Christian, he takes his first step and he learns one step at a time. One command at a time. So if you leave this time today, you should be thinking, I need to believe God's truth and, and, and obey his commands. One command. Maybe just being forgiving towards others. Maybe just patient. It may be just, you tend to be fearful, trusting the Lord when you're afraid. It may be just one thing. Focus on one thing. That's what you do. One thing. And then as you grow, it's it really, the, the, another way, well, the word for this, this road you're on is like a spiritual habit. Yeah, just God has helped you to be patient with people. God has helped you to not be afraid because you trust him. You, you've kept believing and obeying God's words in these particular areas. That's, that's what I'm saying. And so there are many more commands I could give. But again, they're all important. And they all relate, bottom line, to loving God, loving one another. Turn in your Bible to John 14. John 14. And verse 15. If you love me, you'll keep my commands. So the motivation to keep God's commands is, 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 is your love for him. And if you're not keeping his commands, then it means your love for God is a little bit shallow, or maybe a lot shallow. If you love me, you will obey me. That's what he is saying. Then you go to chapter, verse 21, same chapter. He who has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. He who loves me, you will love by my father, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. Verse 21 is one of the most motivational verses to me to obey God. It maybe is the. If you love me and keep my commands, I will love you and disclose myself to you. There's a special intimacy that God gives to those believers who then are doing what he wants. It's a special closeness. Look at 23, it says the same thing. Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. We will come to him and make our abode with him. That's powerful. Powerful. To obey God's words. Now, if you don't obey God's commands, you really aren't loving God, and you're sinning against him. You're doing your own thing. Following the ways of the world, the flesh, the devil, and that's not good. That's not good. But if you obey God's commands, then you'll be blessed. You'll be blessed. And that's what we saw Psalm 119. Let's go back there and look at it again. There's, there's, again, there's many verses, but that's what Psalm 1 said. Psalm 119 said. There's so many verses that talk about this. How blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. How blessed are those who observe his testimonies, who seek him with all their heart. And we're going to look at this much more closely in, in a few weeks. 
this whole section we're going over. In fact, we're going over the first two sections. We want to read ahead. The first is 1 through 16 in a couple weeks here. And so your life as a Christian, this day, this week, this year, will be blessed as you obey God's word, as you keep his word, as you do what he wants you to do. And if somebody asks you what you do in life, what's your occupation? Tell them, hey, my occupation? In fact, it says to someone, this is my practice, it says, I obey God's word. I, I obey God. I do what he wants me to do. I, I follow what he says in his word. I am a follower of the Lord. I'm a disciple. That's what you do. This should be uppermost in my mind. What do I do? I obey God's word. That, that's very simplistic, but it's profound. Very, very profound for each of our lives. And so think about your life. And think about what you're doing this year, what God wants you to do. Again, you hear this all the time. What's your resolutions? <laughs> Watch some show or hear some podcast. It's all, what are you going to do? No, what are you going to do in terms of obeying God? That's, that's how we need to think about this. Well, we've talked about truths we need to know and believe and commands we need to obey. Now we need to talk about promises that we need to know and believe. Three things, three things to keep in mind for the entirety of this year and, of course, for the entirety of your life. So we're talking about promises. What's a promise? It's what someone says they're going to do. It's a commitment. It's a statement of intent. And I have to say that probably everybody makes promises at some point or another. They, hey, I'm going to do this, or I'm going to do that, whether it's to themselves or to someone else. Secondly, the promises we're talking about are from God, and when God makes a promise, he keeps his promise. Faithful is he who calls you, and he will bring it to pass. That's First Thessalonians 5.24. It's in context of God sanctifying you and making you perfectly holy, bringing you to heaven, giving you a new body. Faithful is he who calls you, and he'll bring it to pass. It's a wonderful truth. God keeps his promises. God keeps them. Third promise is right to the future. Whether it's this life, the next life, or both. There's like some promise from God that he loves you. Well, that's obvious. It's true for now and forever, okay? So some are this life, some are next life, some are both. Oftentimes the word will or shall is used in a promise. Oftentimes. Not always, but oftentimes. You have this verse, Psalm 32, 8. I will lead you in the way you should go. That's a promise. What's he say? I will. And that will gives, oh, gives some ump from God. Some power behind it. I will lead you in the way that you should go. I will do it. That, that's my favorite leading promise. Ever want to, God, what do I do? I go to that one. Always. I use it over and over. Hundreds of times I've used it in my life. I will lead you in the way you should go. He'll lead you. He will. He promises. And he always does. It's wonderful. I believe it. Fourth promises are needed. If you work at a job, there's a promise. There's a, a commitment from the employer to pay you, right? And this, if you're a worker, motivates you. Because you know if you work, you get paid. Hey, this is good. That's his promise to you. You work, you get paid. And so... The idea here is motivation. On one hand, God is God, and he can say, I'm going to do this, and because I'm God, and you're just a person, and you're my slave, I'm not going to bless you at all. I'm just going to you to do this. He could say that, rightfully so. But the promises are incredible. I mean, my wife does this promising. There's hundreds of promises. I'm going to give you a few in a few minutes. There's so many promises. 
Boy, if you don't have promises, you're really missing out. You are really, really missing out. You need truths, you need commands, and you also need promises. I mean, why would you ever live for God on one hand if there's no promise? There's plenty of promises. Why? God gives us promises. Last night, a lot of people were partying. All over the world. All over the world. Early morning hours. Y'all know that. You probably heard it in your street. I said, man, right at midnight, this is bounding from next door. Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow you die. That's 1 Corinthians 15, verse 32. Eat, drink, and be merry. That's how so many people live. They have no promise. They have no truth they're believing, no commands they're obeying. That's the unbeliever's way of life, and we should feel really sad for them and, and share the gospel, share the truth with them. They're just empty. Eat, drink, and be merry. That's what people are doing last night in early morning hours. Okay? I'm not saying you can't celebrate New Year's, but not in a way where you're just, you know, doing fleshly things like that. But they don't believe the truth, the future, that, man, there's a heaven and hell. They don't believe that truth. Like, just whatever happens, they're sad. But you need to think about this. This one verse, I like this one, 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work in the Lord, for your work in the Lord is not in vain. That's a promise. You work for God, God will bless you. There's going to be results. Fifth, promises are conditional and unconditional. Conditional meaning you need to know the promise, you need to believe the promise, but there's an element of what you need to do. So it's, it's, it's believe and obey. Psalm 84, 12. The Lord of hosts, how blessed is the man who trusts in you. What's the condition there? What's the condition? How blessed is the man who trusts in you. This blessing is for, and this promise is only for those who trust him. That's it. There's that song. I, I think of this a lot. Trust and obey. I mean, you should... Let that go through your mind a lot. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Trust and obey. Trust and obey. Now here's an unconditional promise, Hebrews 10.37. It says, for yet in a very little while he was coming will come and not delay, referring to Christ's return. And, and this is very clear, the promise that Christ is coming back. And he's coming back no matter what anybody says or does. He is coming back. And his time is scheduled. So you'll, you'll, when, you, when you look at a promise, you need to examine it. And we're going to go through a few. I'm not even going to, in a few minutes, I'm not going to tell you which one's conditional. you just got to figure it out. But God will help you. Six promises are a great blessing to your life. Second Peter, I want you to turn there. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 5. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3. So seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these he has granted us to us his precious and magnificent promises so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. A few points I want to just mention. First of all, we learn that fulfilled promises a result of God's divine and supernatural power. Second, the promises are for those who, only for those who are called by God who are saved. Only. Third, these promises are precious, magnificent, 
extremely valuable, and they result in your life being greatly blessed. The person who has God's promises, who believes them, who abides by them, is really a blessed person, really blessed. I mean, one, I've just started this about a month ago. So I get up, I'm laying there in bed in the morning, going to get up, you know, see the light. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. That's my promise for that day. I go to bed at night. Yep, God came through on that promise. Surely and goodness, surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. Just simple things that you use over and over and over again, and it really can encourage your life. Learn that promises enable us to become partakers of the divine nature and escape the corruption that is in the world. This means that we share in and experience the life and the divine power of God. God will give to you his power, his life, as you have these promises. And this is a wonderful, fantastic news that we can be godly, that we can be godlike, that we can experience this power of God, this love of God, this life of God because of promises. I'm just going to take a couple minutes and read some promises. I've said some already, but just listen. You should listen, listen, what is this promise? Is there a condition or not? Is it unconditional? Psalm 119.1, how blessed is he whose way is blameless, who walks in the law of the Lord. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Mark 1.17, follow me, and I will make you fishes of men. 1 John 1, 7, if we walk in the light as God is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Philippians 3, he will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory. Psalm 23, which I've said before, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. James 4, 6, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. In Galatians 5, 16, Walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. Second Corinthians, Second Chronicles 15.7, As for you, be strong and do not give up, for your work will be rewarded. First Corinthians 1 Corinthians 1.9, He will keep you strong to the end. Matthew 28.20, Surely I will be with you always, even to the very end of the age. Psalm 121, I believe it's verse 7, The Lord will protect you from all evil. He will keep your soul. Matthew 6, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Proverbs 8, 17. I love those who love me, and those who seek me find me. I would suggest that you have some place, whether it's on your computer or a piece of paper, write down promises. Write them down. And go over them and believe them and, and review them. They're very encouraging, these promises. So we're talking today about the absolute importance of God's word for life. Absolute. If you neglect God's word, as it says in some portions of scripture, you'll be hurt. You will be hurt. Your spiritual success, your spiritual blessing this year relates directly to you believing the truths of God, obeying his commands, and believing and obeying his promises. I cannot stress enough the importance of each one of you living according to God's word. Go back to Psalm 1. Again, it's always amazing. What's first? 
the whole book of Psalms, largest book in the Bible. How blessed. How blessed. It's what you don't do. So you see there's this element of, okay, you need to follow the word, but you also need to not do certain things. Here it talks about your relationships. Who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, not stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. And I want to stress this point here about delight. That means you love it. You love God's word. God has helped me through the years to, to love his word, to love it. I'm not perfect by any means, but you need to love it. And then as you love it, as you delight in it, then you'll meditate on it. You'll think about it. It's like anything. You know, some people, they're consumed with sports. They love sports, so they think about it all the time. God's word. Love God, love his word, and think about it. Then verse 97, same chapter, or Psalm 119, 97 rather. Same book. 97, same thought. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Maybe that's just one verse. You start off this year, that's, that's a good verse to have for this year. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all day long. Let's pray. Dear Father, we thank you so much for this time. We thank you first for this past year, 2022. Lord, you helped us to traverse it by your grace and your word and fellowship. Lord, thank you so much by your Holy Spirit. All that happened every day, every week, every month, we bless you for what you've done. And thank you now for this new year, Lord, this, this 365 days, the 52 weeks, Lord, all that you have for us. We look forward to it, and we want to live the way you want. And we see this morning, it's obvious that your word, your truth is foundational. We can take off, oh, okay, I'm going to do what I want. We need to take your word with us. Your word needs to be part of our lives, a key part. And I ask you to help us, Lord, each one of us to, even if it's taking the, the baby steps we need to do with truths and with commands and promises, and I would encourage, Lord, you to help each one to be thinking of truths they need to believe and commands they need to obey and promises they need to believe. Not to make it difficult, not to be overwhelmed, just one or two. That's all. And just keep growing. That's how we grow by just learning more and more of your word so that it's foundational. It just, it just affects and infuses every part of our life, our being, every day of our life, every day of, of our lives, Father. Thank you for each one here. We do ask for your blessing, your grace, your peace upon us. We do pray for God, your spiritual protection upon us too. Thank you for our families. Thank you for Bethel. Pray for your blessing there too, Lord. And again, lead us, God, this year. It says, I will lead you in the way you should go. That means individually in families, but also as a church. So, Father, lead us that we might be a blessing to you, that, God, we might be ones who are, 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 are giving you glory. Lord, we ask you for this. But thank you again for each one here, Lord. Thank you again for this day. Those who couldn't be here with us or those who are listening online, we thank you for them too. Just pray all this now in Jesus' name. Amen. This time we'll have our communion time. Would you stand as we uh, sing the song for our communion?
It's a great promise we have that Jesus Christ is our shepherd who will lead us. Savior like a shepherd lead us. Shepherd, lead us, much we need thy tender care. In thy pleasant pastures, lead us, for our use thy close prepared. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, thou hast bought us thine we are. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, Thou hast bought us thine, we are. We are thine, do thou befriend us, Be the guardian of our way. Keep thy flock from sin, defend us, Seek us when we go astray. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, hear, oh, hear us when we pray. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, hear, oh, hear us when we pray. Thou hast promised to receive us, poor and sinful though we be. Mercy to relieve us, grace to cleanse and power to free. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, early let us turn to Thee. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, early let us turn to Thee. Let us seek thy favor, early let us do thy will. Blessed Lord and only Savior, with thy love our beings filled. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, thou hast loved us, love us still. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, Thou hast loved us, loved us still. Thank you. you. May be seated. Hey, Giovanni. Well, Giovanni's going to pass out the bread and the elements. We don't have the little cups, but... We'll have them next time, so doing like we used to do in the old days. I want to read um, just a portion uh, from Romans 3. It's, it's one of my favorite sections in the gospel, and it's just rich with truth. I'm not going to explain it, I just want to read it, but it's so good. It's Romans 3, and we'll start in, um, in verse 20. Because by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for through the law, 
comes the knowledge of sin. So it's not by what we do to save us. Now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. For all those who believe, for there's no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus, whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in his blood through faith. This was to demonstrate his righteousness because in the forbearance of God he passed over the sins previously committed. For the demonstration, I say, of his righteousness at the present time, so that he would be the just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Where then is boasting? It is excluded. But what kind of law or works? No, but by a law of faith. For maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Those are great words about the truth of our salvation, what God has done for us. I mentioned before about how we believe the basic gospel. This helps us understand more the truths and what God has done for us in his everlasting love and kindness. At this point in time, we're going to just pray and uh, before we take the bread and cup. Pray silently. God would search your heart. We want clean and holy hearts as we you know, take this communion this morning. We thank you for this time. Father, for you choosing us to be saved. Lord Jesus, you dying for us, paying for our sins. You're there on the cross, the Holy Spirit, for applying this salvation to our hearts. We thank you so much because it shows your great love for us. And we do thank you with all our hearts. Lord, we always, we know that we oftentimes fail you, but thank you that you keep us going. We Look forward to that time when we're with you and we can see and know your love perfectly and love you perfectly too. But thank you, Lord, for this time, this cup you've given us. We pray this bread in Jesus' name. Verse 23, I received from the, 1 Corinthians 11, 23, I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night in which he betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you, do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me, for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Again, Father, Thank you for this time. 
thank you, love, for your love for each one of us here and collectively, too, for this church. We bless you that the work is finished and promise from you that you'll keep us strong to the end so we'll be blameless in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. You'll keep us going for saved or always saved by your grace, and we thank you for that. Thank you again for this time. Thank you for this church family. Thank you for your great and eternal love for each one of us. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Activity-wise, we are back to our Wednesday Bible study time. So if you're able to come out this Wednesday, 6.45. And then men will have our, uh, our men's meeting on Friday, this Friday the 6th, 6.30. If you're able to come out and join for a meal and a Bible study together, it'll be this Friday. And then put on your calendars, if you would, uh, three Saturdays away. On the 21st, we'll have our work day. First one for 2023, so keep that on there. And speaking of 2023, I was uh, uh, thinking about 2022 and wanted to do a quick year-end praise of what God has done here at church. Um, that speaks to why we are here and what he has accomplished through us. So just a few categories here under evangelism. I thought of God allowing us to support our missionary groups. We've provided over $6,300 to uh, missionary groups this year. Uh, he's allowed us to share our property with Bethel at a um, uh, low cost to expand evangelism effort by allowing another church to be here and function with us. That was part of our uh, desire, expand evangelism. And then under discipleship, which is... Uh, Part of that is teaching, which is viewed worldwide. We've got our blog. Um, these numbers are what I saw when I looked at the blog. It's uh, showed 260 posts since 2017. Steve's been doing that blog. So that's 260 posts that people around the world can see. Uh, sermon audio, we've had 619 sermons over the years that are available for people to see. And then... Zion's Hope has recently published a few of Steve's articles this year, so uh, many opportunities for people around the world to look at God's Word and the teaching. Under fellowship, I remembered that we had our church barbecue, and God blessed us to be able to give away uh, $400 in prizes to people and share an evangelism message. Um, under, uh, so we had our Christmas sing-along, we have had uh, joint functions with um, Bethel Church, where we've enjoyed teaching, prayer, leadership time, property projects, so a lot under fellowship. And then under ministries, we've helped several families uh, financially from our deacons fund. We've provided food to several families from our pantry. Uh, Widows Ministry has helped with many repairs. And we've had uh, families use our fellowship hall for events such as graduation parties, baby showers. Um, so just in summary, uh, just praise God for his mighty works in 2022. He's done a lot amongst us and through us, and then pray to, that he would continue to 
allow us to be part of his works in 2023. So uh, now we have our last song and then the offering. You've got um, the box on the back table or give online or mail it in to uh, the church. Thank you. So if you'd stand for our last song, um, apparently it's going to be the uh, prayer that Steve prays every morning. A pilgrim was I and a wandering, and surely goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life. That's a great thought to have every morning when you wake up and every night when you go to sleep, that uh, God is there and his mercy and grace are following us. Surely goodness and mercy. A pilgrim was I and a wandering in the cold night of sin I did roam When Jesus the kind shepherd found me And now I am on my way home Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days, all the days of my life. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me. All the day, all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I will feast at the table spread for me. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days, all the days of my life. He restoreth my soul when I'm weary. He giveth me strength day by day. He leads me beside the still waters. He guards me each step of the way. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the day, all the days of my life. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the day, all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I shall feast at the table spread for me. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days, all the days of my life. When I walk through the dark, lonesome valley, my Savior will walk with me.